Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. This just in to the Rowan Roper newsroom. Jesse Smollett has been convicted on five of six counts. What does that mean for America, Richard Roper? Wait right there. Okay. We'll get your answer. But first, I want to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that drives your overall business success. Because they believe that today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. Is Jesse Smollett going to jail for the rest of his life? No, Rokani is not going to jail for the rest of his life. Uh, a jury did find him guilty on five of the six counts against him in this notorious case from three years ago. Yeah, this was, wow. uh, And I know a lot of people know this story. Jesse Smollett, very talented and well-liked actor on the show Empire, uh, claimed that he had been the victim of a hate crime. And this was uh, the story he told was in downtown Chicago, he had gone to Subway for a sandwich late at night after getting in on a late night flight. That's when the story started falling apart for me. No offense <laughs> to Subway, but we're Portillo's people here. Right, you know? it's true. So it's like really, you know, and it was a freezing night and he claimed the two MAGA loving Trump hat wearing racists attacked him and had a noose and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And the story quickly fell apart. He was eventually charged uh, with uh, creating this hoax, reporting hate crimes. And, Ro, maybe you can take us through this, too, because at first there were these charges, and then who was the, the, the district attorney in Chicago, right? Kim Fox. Uh, said, Dom, we're not going to pursue this. Well, she had to withdraw herself mm. from the case because uh, she had had a previous, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say friendship relationship with him but you know maybe they've done fundraisers together or what it's a little murky to there me, was but, some connection yeah there, there was a connection and there she was should a, just be recused right yeah. and there was a potential connection she was in you know she has a lot of um, hollywood folk you know who mm. uh, like her very much and that have c- contributed a lot of money uh, to her campaign and i would then uh you know posit that there was by extension there was a lot of reasons that jesse smollett was not the person that she could actually go ahead and charge and so they had to take they had to get a special prosecutor they had to go outside the county of cook to do it but they tried him in cook county using this special prosecutorial team and i just want to go back to uh one of the important pieces here is that the chicago police department which is strapped for resources right legendarily now uh, had to spend a lot of time they had to assign a number of yes. detectives to go and watch and find literally the trail of the two alleged assailants and go with pod cams and other kinds of yeah going through devices. hundreds of hours of security yes. footage and doing interviews and as you mentioned yeah uh, uh, me, hold right. on yeah. wait I know you're frustrated but I wait, know we're both I, upset about this because we were because we know a lot of cops who worked their asses off in this city and this was a was a, a horrible blemish on the city of Chicago that never should have happened right and and that that was the worst part because it played into all the stereotypes. Right. And as Dave Chappelle famously said, the mo- again, one of the more unbelievable parts of this story would be that there are two MAGA guys downtown Chicago. Right. <laughs> it's right. Very, I mean, very, was- very blue city, folks. You know? Yeah. And it's and and yeah, if this is in no way, shape or form. Did this make any sense? It When it first no, came it out it for about for about an hour, I will recall, because uh, I had a radio show at that time. Yeah. And we, we, we talked about this sort of uh, almost to the point of, of my own distraction. He was making a claim that 
on its very face didn't seem right because the only way that would have happened is if he were to have been targeted by them. But they would have to know on a night where it was at one point below zero. So for you guys out in California... That's not below freezing. It's that's yeah. thirty three degrees below freezing, right? That's it, it, cold it, even for us. I mean, freezing. Right. No one's stand around. They would have had to know his travel patterns. He was flying back to Chicago late that night. It wasn't something like they were outside the studios in Chicago where Empire was filmed, or they at a public appearance that right. he was making for a fundraiser. So we did. I remember this because I was on the show, on your but show. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but. Us, but They'd have to know he's going to go out to Subway. Exactly. And just happened to be there when there was no one else around. And, um, you know, we urged caution at the time. You know, we we reported the facts. And, of course, you know, a lot of people have been jumping on this on on both sides of the political spectrum because, of course, everybody, Kamala Harris and then candidate, right, Joe Biden, um, among many others, jumped forward and said, this is a horrible thing that happened to Justice Smollett. This is indicative of the, the, you know, the attitude in America where there's this blatant racism and attacks just because someone is a person of color, all of which is true. But this was not the case that was happening here. And then, of course, people had to walk this back. And I would say to, to their credit, a lot of public figures who stood by Jesse, once the facts came out, said this is horrific because this is, you know, when someone cries wolf, it makes it that right. much more difficult when there's 100%. a real attack. Correct. So finally, after three years, the trial takes place. He decides he's going to take the stand, which I don't think helped. And we, we found out all <laughs> kinds of details with yeah. him and these clown brothers. He had a, some sort of sexual relationship with one of them. And, and I think he thought that if he came out and said that, uh, and and the lawyers were working behind the scenes to let everybody know, of course, mm-hmm. it was behind the scenes is the way that real court cases yeah. go, not TV court cases. There are no surprises in court. The other side has to know what you know what, what right. side is going to do. Discovery. I bring you this witness now through the doors. That never happened. Your Honor. Right. Not on our list. And yeah. uh, James Lynn, who was the judge in this particular case, is one of the most respected jurists in the nation, yeah. let alone Chicago or Cook County. So- they knew what they were going to do here. And basically, I think what Jesse Smollett thought was going to happen was that if he was going to out this uh, young man, not even young, I mean, these guys in their 30s, I believe, yeah, yeah. Uh, that their families would be upset with them or their friends would be upset with them because they were like stuntmen and bodybuilders. and Kind of these fringe characters yeah. in Chicago, yeah. Right. And I mean, no one had heard of them, at least no. to my knowledge, no, 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 until no, no, the, no, no. this whole thing happened. And I think one of them was supplying Jesse with some form of a, uh, of you know, a, some kind of like workout aid, pre-workout yeah. that, yeah. that lets you, you know, cut fat and do all the rest of that stuff. So, yeah, it, the, the whole, it was not, by the way, the side of that being not legally sold in the United States of America. Yeah, yeah. So these guys were like going back to go get there or whatever. Yeah, there was like yeah. a whole story surrounding that whole workout regimen for them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think if you thought he outed one of them as his gay lover, that was going to create pressure. Like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, internationally. My, and he you was know, claim- grandparents. Yeah, and he was claiming extortion. But none of that would still explain what happened, even if they were trying to get money from him. And then he kind of admitted that that wasn't really the case. I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that this was all concocted in the story. And I know people that worked on Empire and people close to this case. You do as well. And it all stems from the fact that uh, Jesse Smollett had received some, you know, some hateful racist uh, letters or emails or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Communications, you know, hate, hate type of stuff, which anybody does, unfortunately, if you're a public figure, you know, you're going to get this nonsense. Or you're hot on Instagram now. It doesn't matter. And he felt that the producers and the people in charge of empire didn't take it seriously enough 
that when he brought this to their attention, he felt it wasn't taken seriously enough. So he did this as a big F you, like, look what can happen to me. That was his motivation, which unfortunately does not come from a place of logic and thought and actually comes from a place of criminal activity. So he was convicted on five of the six charges. He could get a couple of years in prison. Oh, yes. there's no, these are misdemeanors. There's yeah. no chance. No, you're no, you're absolutely right. And that's, you know, we haven't heard yet what's going to happen there, but he does have no priors. And, there's you no know, chance. Uh, there could be attempt. You well, you would know this. Can they recoup? Can the city or the county? Yes. Can, can they recoup yeah. the, the expenses of the investigation in a civil suit? Because yes. he did make try. he made money. Although I don't know how that income is anymore. You know, this was a young guy too. The heartbreaking thing is, I met him a couple of times, and he just seemed to be. You know, you never know. But he was a, a lovely guy. But he had he was a multi talented guy who was on this huge right. hit show, and probably was going to start getting even more roles. And that's the other thing that he did. You know, he really torpedoed his own career. His family stood by him. Uh, he's got a sister who's a great actress, you know, and, and they it's your family. You're going to stand by him. But I, I agree with you. I think we'll see community service and, yeah. you know, civil penalties. I don't see any point in sending him to jail for two years, to prison for two years. No, for no, this. no, no, no. And, and nobody in this town goes to jail for a forcible felony, let alone yeah. for a uh, – and a, it's unfortunately, you know, the criminal justice system – in Cook County, it's a tough one. I mean, it's we there are a lot of because of COVID and a bunch of other things that are happening. It, whether it's nationally, politically, or even locally here, it, there's a lot of frustration with the lack of prosecution here mm-hmm. of cases. And so then to prosecute Jesse Smollett for six misdemeanors, which mm-hmm. you know every judge. In Cook County, is going to basically they're just going to bang the gavel. They're going to wrap those all together and give somebody, like you said, community service. I mean, the worst would be thirty days in county yeah, jail. Yeah. You know, and that they're never going to do that to him for this. They're going to try to recoup the money. I think of you know that's going to be a part of this piece, but it's the it's the shame, and they sort of got. And, and the state attorney here got rather shamed into having to yeah. prosecute or at least allow for the prosecution of this uh, and, and assign a special prosecutor and all that. And the whole thing, when you think about it, and I, and I think I speak for every Chicago in here and, and taxpayer in Cook County when I say that it, there are so many other problems in this town. And I know it was a hot thing at the moment and he embarrassed the city and he wasted all those resources and that was all terrible. And he just, he stood by it. The only reason he got prosecuted was he never came off his story to this day, including in his testimony. He's actually in more trouble for his testimony, potentially, you know, perjury than anything else. It has parallels, you know, very different uh, people in different circumstances to Rod Blagojevich, though, where they just made it worse. And I remember talking to you. Because Jesse gave an interview, a national television interview, you know, shortly after, you know, there were doubts about the case. And I kept thinking, and I I talked to people, again, I don't have any communications with him, but I talked to people who know him. And I'm like, you know, and they're like, listen, you can't talk to him. They weren't saying, I can't talk to him. They're saying, there's no talking to him. But I'm like, all he had to do within the first month or so when there were doubts was to call a press conference or issue a statement and say, I made this up. I, I, right. I've got, I've got troubles. I'm troubled. I need to go into rehab for right. whatever behavioral yes. or whatever other issues there are. I feel horrible. I apologize to the Chicago police and to the, you know, the, everybody. And he would have been forgiven, and he would have been able to. It would have everything would have gone away. 
I don't I think he, I think he would have maybe wouldn't have continued on the show. They were gonna maybe you have him written off anyway, but he would have gotten work because somebody in Hollywood would have said, you know what, I went through some stuff myself. There's a ton of people who have and Robert Downey second Jr. chances. Exactly. Robert Downey Jr. Where somebody like that could step forward and say, Man, I'm you know, I got third and fourth chances. This is a good young man who made a mistake. Uh he's gonna be on my next movie. So he really that was the problem. And he and he went into hiding and you know, the whole thing blew up. It was amazing today. We're, we're talking about this on Thursday night. Podcast will be dropping, you know, within hours. But it was the lead story on the network news. Because it's, <laughs> listen, it was yeah, a, a, a case of fascination. And in one, one of the network news, they said, that we now turn to our other top story, the COVID-19 crisis. And let's just keep thing in, <laughs> things in perspective. And now I'm going to shuffle, Rokan, in a segue for you yeah. to other entertainment news. And we love to, to observe milestones here on Screen Time. By the way. Before we even shuffle over to the next uh, topic, well, I, I want to. I, I will tell you in a second, but I, I you don't even know this yet because I haven't shared this information with you. And uh-huh. I want to thank once again our subscribers, our listeners. We've you know we've been able to chart uh, on the U.S. charts several times. We're also for reasons I do not want to question, but I'm grateful for Hong Kong has been great, <laughs> which is fantastic. But this past week, for the first time, we hit the top charts. In Poland. Wow. I'm not making this up, by the way. I'm, I'm dead serious about this. So I want to thank our listeners in Poland as well. And Is there the, a Polish translation of this? You know, like at the end of the movies where you see the cast of the foreign language? You know, it's interesting. You're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about translation and things oh. that get lost sometimes in translation. But uh-huh. first, I want to uh-huh. mention to you, and I'm going to, let's play a little clip. It was December of 1985, oh. Rokan. All right. And a little song called The Super Bowl oh, Shuffle oh, God. from the 1985 Chicago Bears actually charted. And if people don't remember this or are too young to know about it and haven't seen the clip, let's take a listen right now to a little bit of The Super Bowl Shuffle. I cannot listen to one more second of that. It's unbelievable. It is horrifyingly embarrassing. And I do recall when that came out and thinking this is so cool because, as you recall, uh, you know, the Bears were about to go for an undefeated season, right? Only the Miami Dolphins of 1972 had ever gone 16-0. Actually, they went 14-0 for an undefeated season. So this was going to be in a regular season at least, this was going to be a big moment yeah. for Chicago. And and we were anointing this, the greatest football team of all times. There's still people who do anoint I, that I team as the that greatest. I can make that right yeah, up there, yeah. I think you could, but, you, but it's certainly the best defense, maybe, you could make that argument. Well, they're the only one with a gold record. Okay, so they sold so <laughs> many copies of that piece of crap. <laughs> and the video is even worse. I, I would oh, say man. this. If uh, you, you are look it up, you know. of a certain age and uh, your kids have not seen the Super Bowl shuffle, you are going to see a lack of production values that is almost epic. It looks like one of those parody vid- videos that like Pete Davidson does on SNL when they're making fun of stuff. You mentioned the Miami Dolphins. This is this is this is what the, what is the term chutzpah <laughs> that this Bears team had. So they record. Okay, so they they lost to the Dolphins actually right mm-hmm. on a Monday night game. 
Dan Marino would have been the quarterback then. Their right. only loss. They recorded it the day after they lost. That's how cocky this team was. All right, we lost a game. They did the Super Bowl shuffle two months before they even made the Super Bowl. And then, right. of course, destroyed the Patriots, I believe, 46-10. to 10. They Their run through the playoffs that year, they, they destroyed everybody in ways that I don't think teams ever have. But, yeah, Walter Payton, Jim McMahon, Otis Wilson. I do have a list for you, the shuffling crew. Uh, and really? I know, I know this why, is tough. Why, why must you belabor this point? It's an embarrassing moment. I think that the Jesse Smollett yes. moment's embarrassing Shuffling for Chicago, crew. but this, I, this is right up there. Well, I will tell you this. My favorite part is okay. So yeah, Walter Payton and all these high-profile stars were up front, right? But they also had the chorus. <laughs> these oh, are no. guys like so, like <laughs> Dan Raines and Keith Ortego, <laughs> Jim Morrissey. They were in the background, and Maury Buford, by the way, on Cowbell. Uh, for that, yeah. so there you have it. I just wanted Maury, to. I Maury wanted Bu Maury Buford. That, that's so funny. So in the 1980s, Maury Buford was a football player. Now he's an accountant, right? <laughs> I got to call my accountant, Maury Buford. It's it's like there's no <laughs> Maury. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, Maury's just not a name that you hear anymore. All right. Uh, all right. Okay. So <laughs> I I'm uh, I, I I I just would like to say that you've brought back two that. really bad memories. One from three years ago for me that I still have a lot of angst over, and now that I think about it in the aftermath of like the huh. going through the whole Jesse Smollett thing again, it just seems so completely useless given everything that's going on. I mean, we had a pandemic, right? We went through all of the. We've gone through all this political and sociological tumult over the last three years that is you know, tearing this country in a lot of ways apart. And we're still worried about this. Unfortunately, it seems to me I'm no doctor, but this guy doesn't seem right in the head. And we're still worried about this guy's little made up fairy tale well, about we what happened to him that night. And if you're no doctor, you should be hearing from Aaron Rodgers anytime soon for some more medical advice since you're no doctor. It's true. I do. I call him about everything. I, I, you know, he just wrote me a prescription. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think it's time to discuss. Let's take a break, and then I want to talk to you about uh, one of the greatest remakes of all time. And then I'm going to. You're going. I, I hope you like this, but we're going to talk about another Chicago area pop culture iconic thing that is resurfacing, and I will say nothing more into it. Is it going to embarrass Chicago? You know, no. Because we no, have no, people no, no. listening in Hong Kong and Warsaw right now, and I just don't want them to get the wrong idea. No, this will be a shining moment in our Chicago area history. Portillo's are known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that's just the beginning, my friends. The menu has mouth-watering varieties of favorites from a charbroiled burger to an Italian beef to a mm -hmm. cheese fry to a chopped salad and the chocolate cake. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. If you are a fan of this podcast or heard any other episode of this, you know how I feel about the chocolate cake. It's the greatest chocolate cake in the history of chocolate or cake. Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order curbside pickup or delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America by ordering at portillos.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life at home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. 
the first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him. This is much anticipated. Steven Spielberg, West Side Story, what could possibly go wrong? Well, and I don't think anything did. First of all, it's, it's I think, one of the greatest remakes of all time. Now, of course, everybody knows the story, West Side Story, based on Romeo and Juliet. I don't know if the Shakespeare family gets royalties anymore. <laughs> you know, you never hear anybody going, you know, he was my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. But it's Romeo and Juliet, and then it was turned into a huge Broadway musical uh-huh. in 57, I want to say. We'll say okay. the mid-50s. And then, of course, in 1961 became this huge hit. I think it won 10 Academy Awards, you know, giant commercial hit. Uh, I think that I, I went back and watched the 1961 version and, you know, yeah, you know, some of the stuff would not play today because you have white actors who were literally put in makeup to play right. some of the Hispanic uh, gang members and, and, and Natalie Wood was Maria. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's also the fact that Natalie Wood didn't sing. Marnie Nixon sang and you could kind of tell. So it has a little bit of a dated look. But it's still, you understand why it was such a huge sensation in 1961. Right. So now Steven Spielberg decides he's going to remake it. And I, I knew he had done it and obviously he'd read about it. But, bro, I think, you know, the brilliant thing, first of all, he didn't set it in 2021. It's set in 1957, New York City, right. in this particular neighborhood where the sons of the Irish and Polish uh, immigrants are battling with the sons of Puerto Rico who have just, you know, recently come here. Maybe their parents did or they came here. And it's set amidst all this gentrification that's going on where none of them are going to be welcome in this neighborhood and they're still fighting over the turf. I think it's beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Retains a lot of the original, obviously the original music, although he reordered some of the the songs are in different places. Uh, there's some some characters who have been updated. Rita Moreno, who was in the original, now plays the owner of the drugstore. In the original, it was Doc, who was the white Jewish guy, right, who owned mm-hmm. the drugstore. She plays his widow. Oh, so they kind of play off of that, but she's kind of trying to keep the peace there. And then it has this amazing young cast. Uh, the, the miniature controversy, the mini controversy, there's a, there's some people who don't appreciate the fact that there are moments when the dialogue is actually in Spanish and there are no subtitles. When characters speak in Spanish in brief portions of this film, there are no English subtitles. Okay. So there's two ways of looking at that. Obviously, you know, you're being uh, authentic and you're being true to the reality of that. And it's the reality of urban life. There's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are speaking different languages and, and you're never quite sure exactly who they are or what they're saying. And you're never quite sure exactly what's being said. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's going to be some pushback. I think not political pushback because you can't really do that now, but there's going to be a certain amount of uh, like, oh, God, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, to which I will say, having seen the film, and I did not know that that was a choice that had been made by Spielberg and the screenwriter Tony Kushner, the great writer who adapted and kind of updated this, the, the book, if you will, from this musical. Um, so the first time it happens when two characters are speaking in Spanish, and sometimes it's almost like a Spanglish, they kind of jump in and out, mm-hmm. uh, you wonder like, What's going on here? Is there a problem with the print of this film? Did they not include the subtitles? I mean, that's just kind of something that appears in your head. You're thinking, I would say this, Ro. It's maybe 5%, maybe 
at the most 10% of the dialogue in the film is in Spanish without subtitles at the most. And the context of it is, you know what these two characters are saying, whoever the characters are and what they're reacting to because a death has just happened Mm -hmm. or a conflict. So it's sort of like real life again, you know, where you know that something's going on. Those two people are either in the throes of a funny conversation or really mad about something or having a heated dispute. So I didn't feel left out at all as someone who does not speak Spanish. You know, I, I, I've seen other films that have done this. You know, sometimes if it's a film about World War II, the, the Nazis will be speaking in German and they don't put up the German subtitles. And we know what they're saying because they're fucking Nazis and we fucking hate them <laughs> and they're the fucking worst. So you kind of get it, you know. And I, right. I know enough French that I've watched some films where they don't put up a subtitle and I could kind of get what they're saying a little bit more because I know it. But We're I have a certain I, I age, it, yeah, though. But, okay. I want to point yeah. something out about the, the American educational system. We spent way too much time teaching Latin and teaching French to our students when Spanish should have been the language for the last 75 years taught in the schools. Because it, and, and there are a lot of people who want to push back away from that, like, well, then, you know, that's that you have to speak English when you get here. Well, you know. In in a, um, in a in a country in an industrial nation, and you can see this all over the world. Industrial nations that are trying to bring immigrants into their country to assimilate, yes, but they also need them to go to work. The problem is that we're on the border of a Spanish-speaking nation, one of the largest in the world. Mm. So we have to think about that reality and to be respectful of it and. Eventually, learning Spanish is a good thing for just, you know, melding the yep. cultures and the understanding of each other as, as you yeah, know, people 100%. are working. It's one of the great regrets of my life that I have yeah. not. To, and you're so right about that. Uh, the, you know, I was in school. I'm older than you, but like, so I was at St. Jude the Apostle uh, back in the day, a, a great grammar school. Uh, for eight years and got an amazing education. I always tell people, like, oh, you went to a Catholic school. I'm like, you know what? They're, they're great. The nuns are great. The priests were great. I know all the problems with the Catholic church and all of that, but I was in a very, very fortunate situation and got great education. But man, they doubled down on the French. I, I had eight <laughs> years of French. I don't know what that was all about. And, what did they think And, then, and they kept saying, well, they kept saying, you know, this is going to be the international language. I don't know. De Gaulle said that or something. No, it was the international language of... Uh, of treaties and, yeah, of and stuff like that 200 years early exactly i'm like what is king louis decreeing this or yeah, something so this is all bullshit uh, and if i you know and, and you know my french is not great at all but it's amazing because you know i've been lucky enough to go to paris a few times to go to france and you still remember some of the basic stuff and yeah, that's true. for all the stereotypes about the snooty french and how they hate americans if you try yeah a little french they dig it they oh, yeah. love you for They'll that help you with and then that, it turns yeah. out they can all speak english because they're like oh no 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 because it's their pub. second and then they're like oh monsieur Robert. and then all of a sudden you get an extra <laughs> croissant you know the whole deal but to bottom line here rocon yeah is i think it's i think it was a, a a brilliant choice i think it just adds to the flavor of the film and it's interesting too early on in west side story uh, the character of Maria, who's played by Rachel Zegler, who's going to be a huge star. She was literally discovered like in the old-fashioned way, really hadn't done much, and she's amazing. At a and coffee her, shop on Sunset Boulevard? Yeah, you know, these days you, you, you put an audition on an iPhone and you, you oh, augment okay. it with right, music, okay. and you know, it, it ain't, it ain't, you ain't sitting at a coffee shop. You're not you're not outside Spielberg's mansion singing up to his window. You know, the Louis you, B. Mayer's casting couch, yeah, no? No, no? No, no, all right, no. Okay. But her older brother, Bernardo, uh, 
is always speaking in Spanish, and she she and her and his girlfriend keep saying to him, "Speak English. You got to learn English. You got to get your." Which is a great way of explaining right. why the Puerto Rican characters in the movie are speaking English. So they get into that, uh, and a larger. And we can talk about this when we get into the to the next podcast with the you know the Thursday three. But I love the film, and I just oh, hope great. if people are in a position where they feel comfortable going to a theater to see it, it's remarkable. Steven Spielberg, bro. I mean, he's like you can make a movie. You know, and, and but he but he's not well. You know, and there's a lot of these directors, whether it's Spielberg and Clint Eastwood and Scorsese, they don't just stick to what they know. You know, he, he if you told someone this was directed by a 35 year old up and comer, you'd be like, wow, amazing. Right. I mean, this is 50 plus years after Jaws. <laughs> you know, think about that. Yeah. I mean, he and, goes down as the goat. Yeah, I hate that term now. And there's going to be Oscar nominations for this for yeah. for a lot of categories. All right, all right. I want to just end things. We mentioned the Chicago area, and you're mad at me because I brought up uh, Juicy Smollett, as Dave Chappelle called him, Jesse yeah. Smollett. We wish Jesse the best. It's a terrible story. We hope we're moving on. Then I mentioned the Super Bowl shuffle, which actually triggered you in ways that I didn't realize. Uh-huh. I also want to mention, Rokan, that you can now book a stay at the real Home Alone home, which is in a, a northern suburb of Chicago, right? right? Where Kevin McAllister stayed with his family, and they left him behind, and you know the whole story. That's a real home. And the owners now are making it available. I think it's the one-time gimmick, but it's an Airbnb where you can have a home alone experience where they'll have a pet tarantula and they'll have all the food there. They're going to have aftershave that you can slap on your face and do the famous scream, all kinds of booby traps. Uh, My question for you is, would you want to stay? I'm not asking you to come with me because I'd have many other choices for a roommate before you. But (laughs) but if you had the opportunity, would you stay a night at the Home Alone home? No. Why not? Uh, A complete lack of interest in sitting in a house that was used as a movie. (laughs) I I mean, there's no... I love the movie. Who doesn't love that movie? You cannot watch that yeah, movie and not be moved by it, laugh at it, have fun with it. Even if you think, oh, it's a lot of pratfalls and yeah. But it's Joe Pesci doing them, right? And I mean, Daniel one of the great Stern. actors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I am uh, totally a fan. I have zero interest in doing any of that stuff. I'm with you. Uh, and I would also like to point out that the Home Alone home is more terrifying than the Halloween home. <laughs> you know, it was a horrible experience. You know, that kid, Kevin McAllister, was yeah. probably in therapy for 35 years. Sure. I mean, yeah, he got his revenge on the wet bandits or the sticky bandits or whatever the case may be. But that's a violent movie when you go back and look oh, at it. for sure. But he was being terrorized. I don't want to stay in a place where there's a tarantula and there's a chance that someone's going to come around the corner and scare me. It's like these people that go to these haunted houses yeah. and pay for it. So I'm with you. Yeah. No Thanks, Home Alone Home. Yeah, Kevin McAllister is kind of the uh, the first version of the social media generation that nothing can scare them or excite them <laughs> or in any way touch their emotions because it's all about, eh, we'll get over it. Maybe so, but I still think there's some deep-seated anxieties and fears that he wakes up in the middle of the night screaming, thinking he's been abandoned again. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps. Right. And maybe that he will actually wake up as Kevin Hart. Which I love that commercial, by the Which way. Is brilliant. If you've yeah. not seen Seven. it with Kevin O'Hare and Kevin Hart, it's, it's, <laughs> it is great. All right, the Rowan Rover Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios, AmericanEagle.com. It's a full service global digital agency providing best in class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. And here's an Easter egg. I just want to say that maybe Macaulay Culkin 
would like to come back right now is Kevin Hart. Don't you think? In terms of careers, that would really be something. want to thank our executive producers, Renee Nelson and Tim Alanius, and, of course, our great production director, Demita Menezes. We'll see you next time.